With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host Curtis and, man, boom. We started off the late signing period with some absolute fireworks and really, I mean, for me at least, a big, fat, middle finger followed by a right-hand cross to Auburn by flipping five-star wide receiver George Pickens. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about today, uh, Kurt. We're, obviously, this is the late signing period and this is our reaction show, our immediate reaction show, uh, reaction show as we're recording this. Uh, Saturday, or I'm sorry, it's not Saturday, Wednesday evening, uh, we'll have a lot more conversation with this recruiting class with specific prospects throughout the entire class, all 24 of them right now, uh, over the next couple of weeks. But right now, we want to focus on uh, what transpired today and uh, who we landed, who we missed on, and what it means moving forward. So we'll get to all that here in just a second. I do want to remind everyone out there, uh, if you're not subscribed to us on Podbean, you, you can get access to all of our premium content on Podbean. We've had, we had a couple shows leading up to signing day where we're talking about all these prospects, including George Pickens. Uh, that, were, that was all premium content. It's only $2 a month. Just go to Podbean, uh, search for Glory UGA, or you can click on our uh, Twitter profile and look at, there's a little profile link there. It'll take you straight to our Podbean page. You just click, sign up. It takes about a minute or two. It's just $2 a month. You get access to every single show that we produce every single month throughout the year. So we get your off-season football fix. We'll be talking a lot of different uh, off, uh, spring and winter sports as well throughout the off-season. So we have a lot of Georgia content for you guys all off-season long, and obviously as we get into the 2019 season here in a couple of months. So just check us out there, and thanks to everyone who has already subscribed to us. We can't thank you guys enough for uh, all of your support and helping us keep this show running. But with that, let's go ahead and get into this, because we got so much to talk about, man. So again, we flip five-star George Pickens. That's the big headline of this day. Probably, would you say that's the biggest headline through all of college football today? Uh, I definitely would say flip-wise. I mean, I mean, you know, some teams have some big guys make sure. a decision to pretend there. But I think, I mean, I think most everyone except for ESPN has this guy around the top ten. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what ESPN's smoking, man. That's absurd if you've watched this guy play. And, and there were, I, obviously I see things through red and black lenses. That's obviously true. I, I don't deny that. But you're right. There are other big-time guys that committed as well. I mean, Sopshire committed to Alabama. Obviously you got that. But then we've got, to me, like when you have a, a flip, a five-star flip from a rival – that just adds a little extra oomph, a little something to it. So to me, at least early on the day, this was a major headline. And, and if not the major headline, certainly one of the top two or three for sure. Uh, now, this was surprising to a lot of people. Some people were caught off guard. We were certainly in the conversation as we have been discussing him on the show over the past few weeks with our premium content as a major remaining target out there in this late signing period. But as signing day approached over the last few days, there were more and more experts out there, really just like t- when talking about George Pickens, not really mentioning us. Did you notice that, Kurt, the last couple of days? Yeah, 100%. I mean, all you heard was Tennessee, uh, Auburn, and I can't remember. Miami came out of Miami nowhere. Because they haven't been mentioned with much at all, but over the past couple of days, all of a sudden now they're a major player, and he made his last official visit to Tennessee. 
and, and so it was, you're right. Like most of the Auburn recruiting writers, they were identifying Miami, Tennessee as Auburn's biggest threats. And so were the national guys. But oh no, uh, they were wrong because Kirby. James Coley, and we can't forget Cortez Hankton, the wide receiver coach, really helped out here. They flat out got it done. And, uh, and so, Kurt, I texted you the news as soon as I saw the video this morning. Uh, you might have still been asleep. I don't know what was going on. Uh, were you still asleep? I didn't mean to wake you up if I did. No. Okay. Uh, but uh, when, when you saw that, I know you probably saw it before I even texted you. What was your level of surprise upon first seeing the news this morning that we had landed Pickens? Uh, I mean, I think it was just, uh, you know, uh, I, I would just say joy. I mean, I really, I mean, I, you know, we've talked about one of the biggest things that's been missing. I mean, as good as Dominic Blaylock is, and I think yeah. he will be for the program, you know, ever since Kirby's gotten here, we've landed studs at every position, but truly have not gotten this stud at the wide receiver. I, I mean, I was talking to my wife about this. I, 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 you know, I was trying to tell her like how good this guy was. And I mean, I know it's an easy comparison cause that's our guy. Uh, but and I'm not saying he's going to be AJ Green, but he's clearly the closest thing to AJ Green that we've had since AJ, right? Uh, I would, I mean, skill wise, yes, I'd actually probably say he's more of a Julio. He's oh, yeah, he's absolutely more Julio Jones than he is AJ Green. And somebody on Twitter, something was Jonathan on Twitter, so props to you, Jonathan, mentioned uh, how he thinks that he's certainly more like uh, like Julio than AJ. I forget who he said was more like AJ. So I have to go back and look at it. So I'm I'm butchering that, but. But we, I think there's been that comparison has been made, and I 100% agree. I think he's got the frame for it, right? Uh, whereas AJ was obviously freaking amazing, but he was a little light in the britches, thin, right? Uh, yeah. Whereas Julio had a little more thickness to his game, a little muscle, and uh, a little. I think certainly that George Pickens fits that mold a little bit more. But I guess in terms of Georgia guys, is what I'm going for here. He's the closest thing we've had we've had to to AJ since AJ. Uh, we just haven't had that dominant number one guy really since that. It's been a, about a decade or so. Um, so like it, this was just a massive, massive thing for us. And like I, you're right, Joy. So Joy, obviously, like I was fist pumping at work. People look at me like I was like insane. Like what's going on with this guy? And I was like, mm, good, something good just happened. I promise you, it was something really good. Um, but like, were you surprised that this happened? Um, not really. I mean, you know, like you said, people hadn't mentioned us a while, but we've been in on him for a while. And you know, if you read. There were rumors that he almost signed with us. Yeah, uh, so and, and I can't like verify the veracity of that of of those rumors, but like I've heard that a couple places, right? That on the the early signing day, that first day, he got from what I understand. And correct me if I'm if I'm butchering this, Kurt. I might be. From what I understand is that one team sent him an, a letter of intent, right? A national letter of intent, and that one team was us. And we, and from what I understand, he was very, very close to signing that. Um, but he held off uh, for whatever reason. He held off. Uh, maybe he just wanted to take his visits and see things. I mean, of course, you got you got played out. I get that. Um, so like, I, I think in some ways, like maybe obviously we ended up landing him. So and he even said Georgia was like when he, when he was interviewed today, like he said Georgia was number two all along. Uh, and if you go back to like when he first committed to Auburn, you remember when we were we were so he- we were heavily involved in that conversation, weren't we? Yeah. Like, we, we were heavily involved there. And he even said at that time when he first committed, he's like, yeah, you know, Georgia was number two. They were a great school. I liked everything about it. But, you know, the home state pool, all that. So he was with Auburn. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective, maybe you shouldn't be surprised. Uh, but when you hear those rumors, like, you don't know if those rumors are true. You hear some things that, that pan out, some that don't. Uh, and you listen, listen to the national guys and the, and the Auburn guys covering him. They're, what they were essentially saying is Georgia, yeah, you know, I guess they're kind of in the picture, but not really. It's more Auburn, Tennessee. Maybe Miami comes in late. So I gotta say I, I I'm not gonna lie I was at least 
at least moderately surprised. Like there was certainly an element of surprise in this for me. Like, I, I, I didn't think that we were like we had no chance, but I certainly I wasn't going into thinking, yeah, we're gonna get Pickens. It was kind of like, oh my god, like this just happened. Holy crap, this is amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think we you should have been. Maybe, if you've been paying close attention, maybe taken totally by surprise. We were in the conversation. He did officially officially visit us a couple of weeks ago. But I will say, landing him and flipping him like that on a signing day, I mean, it was at least a little surprising for me. Uh, now you can't talk about George Pickens without at least discussing his rumored grade concerns. Do you think, Kurt, that he was worth the risk in taking him right now in February with spots as tight as they were for us? I think they were because if you get him in, he's a game changer. And a lot of times if you see some of these kids that don't qualify right away, they more than usually go back to the school that they originally signed with. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think I think that's something that you you, can, you certainly see quite often. Uh, how confident? Well, I mean, well, let me get to that in a second. I, I think he was. I'm with you. I think he was worth the risk. And we talked about this last week with our premium content. But for those of you who aren't subscribed and get a chance to hear that, we both think he is clearly worth the risk because, as you said, or used the right word, he has game changing potential. He can absolutely change the face of our offense. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we we've had some good receivers. I mean, Riley really was a good player for us, certainly. Uh, Javon Wims was good for us. Terry had his moments. Those guys were good, and they were underutilized. Let's be real, they were. Um, but none of them were the caliber of the talent that George Pickens brings to the table. Is that a fair assessment? Very fair, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, so I think he is a game-changing type talent. So I think when you have an opportunity to get a guy like that, I you guys got to do what you got to do to get him in terms of I mean, everything legal, obviously. But I'm saying like you, you got to make room for him. You have to make room for a guy like that if he wants in. And that's what we were saying last week. Now, the bigger question here is how confident are you that he qualifies? Obviously, we do not have access to his transcripts. We are certainly not experts in that regard. Uh, but just kind of reading the tea leaves here, Kurt, and, and kind of weeding, you know, making your way through all the different rumors and ideas out there, how confident are you that we can get this guy in and qualified? I think you have to be a little decently co- uh, confident just because of the fact that I think uh, you know, as much as we said how important it would be to get someone like him, you don't waste it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with this. To me, look, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying I, – I can't sit here and say with any sort of uh, certainty uh, that he is going to qualify. That would be foolish of me to say because I just simply do not know. But you have to believe as detail-oriented as Kirby is. Now, maybe this is a, a calculated risk. Certainly, you could look at it that way. But you have to believe it, with, t- with spots as tight as they were for us and with the needs that we had at tight end and receiver specifically, it would be – you have to imagine that we have at least some inkling that he is at least getting closer to qualifying. He has a, a good solid chance, right? Yeah. I mean because we had other options. You know, you've, we had Jonathan uh, Mingo on the on – the, I don't say he was on the hook, but there was an opportunity to get him. And I, I was hearing last night – I don't know if you were hearing the same thing that uh, even if he wanted to commit to us today that he wasn't a take. And I was hearing that last night. Um, which that right there kind of gave me some like like alarm like that was kind of like a warning signal like wait a minute maybe I should pay attention to Pickens like why would we turn like, it didn't make sense to me if I was hearing that we were that we were not going to accept this, the the uh, commitment of Jonathan Mingo who's a guy that we had in for an official visit last weekend at receiver my question was why like why wouldn't we had a need at the yeah we have a need there we have a couple guys going after you with, with Pickens Mingo and you got a grad transfer in Cager who we still might take I don't know we'll see how that plays out. Um, but we had a need of that position. We have two spots available. So why are we hearing the night before that he wasn't a take? Um, to me, that that was something right there. It was kind of a flashing sign like, hey, maybe we're in this a little bit more for Pickens than people think because 
you know, that just didn't make sense. Why would we not take him if we're not going to land Pickens? It just didn't make sense to me. So I, I didn't know for sure, but like it made me at least a little bit more confident moving into to Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I just you have to think that Kirby, again, as detail-oriented as he is, that this is a, sure, it's a calculated risk, but I think that he has to feel at least pretty good that he's going to qualify. Again, there's no sure thing, and I don't know if it's more of a, a GPA thing or if it's a test score thing. It's a test score thing. You can, you know, you can take the test a couple of times. Uh, he has until the summer to get that done. GPA, I mean, that could be a little trickier. It just depends. Maybe it's a, a credit thing. Does he need more credits? There are ways to get around that in terms of taking online classes now. There's various programs out there. Trust me, I know this. Um, there are a lot of programs that you can, I mean, you can take these classes. If you, if you do your work, you can get them done in a couple of weeks, like four, four to six weeks. So it's like if that if that's a, the issue, then that can that can be remedied pretty easily if the guys want to do the work. So I, you have to think that our coaches feel pretty good about this. Um, so obviously he's a five star, depending on what service you're looking at. I mean he's a five star with in the two four seven composite. He's a top ten national rated prospect, uh, and then the number two overall receiver in the uh, rivals rankings, the rivals.com rankings. So he's a five star all around there major target and obviously getting him makes the recru- our recruiting class look stronger and it gives us fans you know something to beat our chest over kind of rubbing the face of our rivals but winning the recruiting battle is great and all like don't get me wrong it's certainly a necessary first step but really like it's just a means to an end and that end is winning on the field so Kerr, i think the biggest question here of all is now that we've landed him and maybe the bigger question is does he qualify because we gotta get him qualified first but outside of that what does landing Pickens do for us on the field in the next year or so? Um, I think it really ch- it gives us a chance to do things in the passing game that we haven't always been able to do. I think, uh, like what? What, what? what does he open up for us? Well, I mean, that's what, you know, especially when you look at Alabama, the way they've used it, even though they're not the most, you know, until this past year before then, they would throw the ball some, but they're still a run-heavy team. But when you do have this this go-to type receiver, it kind of opens up the way you can attack teams in the passing game. And they've had those guys the past couple of years, whether it's Amari Cooper, uh, obviously this year had a number of different guys. They've, they've had those guys. Um, who's the guy that fought Ridley from the Falcons now? They and the thing with Alabama, you're right. Is they they they've gotten that like one true elite receiver in these classes. Now they got a couple of them, but they had you know whether it's Ridley, uh, Mari Cooper, those guys, uh, Julio Jones. They'd have that one ace receiver, right? And yeah. they would they would target him and they would figure out ways to get him matchups. Uh, they they would run things specifically designed for him and just use the holy crap out of those guys and get major production out of them. I think that Piggins has the potential to be that type of guy for us. I I mean again you got the p word potential, but everything if he can if he can qualify and keeps his head on straight and comes ready to work, which is, there's some ifs there certainly, but he has the ability, the athleticism, the talent. The physicality, everything it takes to be one of those type of guys. Do you potentially see him, or how likely is it that he is going to be a day one contributor for us? I wouldn't be shocked if, if he is eligible and makes the roster. I would not be shocked if he's close to being a starter for us. I mean, we yeah. don't. I mean, outside of Holloman, you have no one that's proven, especially on the outside. Yeah, like I, I don't like putting undue pressure on these guys, and it's hard to predict because well, you no, don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he could. Be, I mean, at too deep at worst. But I don't think you. I don't think you're off off base, Kerr. I think I. I think exactly. you're right. I'm not, I'm not trying to do the pressure, but I mean, realistically, I mean, you know, we have a lot of great players that we think, oh, they should be able to start, but he is the one guy at a position where there's so much uncertainty that could just come in. I will say he will walk in day one, and the only guy that I think can really compete with him in terms of his physical ability and athleticism is JJ Holliman, because Holliman's just he's a big, thick dude. He's not 
not as big and thick as Pickens. He's just not. Um, he, he's not as tall. I mean, Holloman's what, about 6'2", 6'3", maybe? Um, Pickens is 6'4", 6'5", somewhere in that range. Uh, and, you know, Pickens, he, he, once he gets to the college weight room, if he takes it seriously, which I imagine he will, you know, our coaches are going to require him to do that. I mean, he's just going to get bigger and nasty. He's, you're right, Julio is a great comparison of what this guy has physically and athletically. So I, I, I think he, he'll walk in and be a guy that gives us something right away that other guys on the team just can't give us from a physical standpoint. Now you got to come in and learn the system and all that. you got to qualify, obviously. But I, I think you saying that he can compete for a starting job in year one, I don't think that's entirely off base. Certainly it's not a done deal. You cannot say that. Sometimes things work out. Sometimes they don't. It just depends. Um, we'll see how, what this guy does. But I think he's going to have an opportunity. You mentioned like the one guy we have coming back that's really played significant downs for us is J.J. Holloman, right? Yeah. I mean, you got Tyler Simmons played a fair amount last year, had some injuries, uh, started a couple games, good solid piece. But he's not in Pickens. You know, he, Simmons is a fast dude. Don't be wrong, but he's not in Pickens like zip code when it comes to just physical talent, is he? No, not at all. Like he's he's just not. And then you got D. Rob coming, who I expect big things from D. Rob. Do you? I mean, <laughs> do you see D. Rob being a major contributor? I do, especially this year. You know, I think he's I think he's kind of subtly admitted that he didn't do a good job of understanding the playbook quickly. Yeah, and he knew he wasn't big enough. He had to get bigger to block in the SEC. It was a different animal than what he was asked to do at Cal, of course, with what we do schematically. Um, but I, I do expect D. Rob to get bigger, stronger, learn the system a little bit better, and be ready to be a major player for us. So, I mean, obviously he's going to have to fight with a guy like that for that job. But I think Pickens is going to has the potential to be a major part of the equation for us and potentially at some point in the year, if not right away, be starting for us this season. Because we just, we don't have the guys. I mean, we lost, what, three of our top four receivers last year? You lose Miko, you lose Ridley, and you lose Terry. The only guy in the top four coming back is is Holloman. So he's probably got, I don't want to say he's got a spot locked up, because Kirby always obviously likes to have competition. He'll say, you got to go out there and earn it, of course. I think J.J. will earn a spot. I, I'm still very high on J.J. Holloman. But I think Pickens... I mean, that, that other spot out wide is going to be open, and he's going to have an opportunity to come in and earn it. And I don't know if he will. Maybe some other guys step their game up. I love, I'd love to see a guy like Tommy Bush step his game up, Matt Landers, whoever it might be. These guys will have chances too. I mean, there, there's going to be competition. But what I'm saying is he has the ability to do it, and the idea that he has a chance coming in and start, I don't think that's outlandish. I think that highly of him. Uh, he's got an insane catch radius. He's physical, goes up against the ball. He's nasty with the ball in his hands. He's explosive. He's dangerous in the open field. He's got very good hands. He's a good, solid route runner. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, and I know it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, yeah, we like him better than Jaden Hazelwood right now after we miss on Hazelwood and we end up landing Pickens. But, but even after the late signing period, Kurt, you and I were saying that Pickens is potentially at least just as good of a prospect as Jaden Hazelwood. So what is Pickens, for those who might not have been uh, subscribed to our premium content, I know we've talked about those who uh, talked about this for our subscribers, but for everyone out there, uh, how do you compare George Pickens to Jaden Hazelwood? Who is the better prospect in your mind? Uh, I, the one thing I think the- – one place I think Hazel is better than Pickens at is route running. Yes. But if you, to me, the pure pure athlete, uh, the way they catch the ball at the high point and the way they track the ball and things like that, I have to go with Pickens. I don't think it's particularly close in terms of pure athleticism. Uh, and I've watched guys. I've watched Jaden Hazelwood a lot. Okay. I mean, I live in we live in Georgia. I mean, we live in Athens, but I've seen the guy play a lot. I've seen him in person quite a few times. Uh, I haven't seen Pickens as much. So I'll say that. But I've seen plenty of his tape. Watched it quite a bit. Um, Pickens, in my opinion, is clearly head and shoulders above a better athlete and more explosive. He is a plus athlete. That's the term I like to use. He's a plus athlete. Hazelwood is a very good athlete. I'm not saying he's not. He is. You can't be read that highly if you're not. 
But Hazelwood is not a plus athlete. I would say Hazelwood might run a four six forty. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I mean that, and that might even be. I mean the four in the mid four six range. That's probably what Hazelwood is, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's not his game. Like speed is not his game. He gets open through route running, and like, if you get a fifty fifty ball, Hazelwood is just going to go up and get the ball. That's what he does. But but Pickens is not like I think Pickens is almost as equal in terms of going and getting the ball. Maybe not quite there, but close enough. And he's bigger, stronger, more athletic, physical. Uh, also, I think more explosive athlete, more dangerous with the ball in his hands in the open field. I do think you're right in saying that Hazelwood is more, a more polished product at this point is that kind of what you're going for yeah that's what, yeah especially when it comes to route running yeah you know with his you know we we're talking about how he's not the, the you know not not saying he's a bad athlete but he's not the athlete that picks this but he uses his route running sure. to get himself open yeah i a hundred percent agree that's kind of like if you guys watch the super Bowl, obviously hazelwood is a different type player than julian edelman but the way edelman gets open through his just pure route running ability that's kind of what Hazelwood brings to the table. Obviously, he's bigger, a little different kind of guy. Uh, he's more of a go-up-and-get-the-ball 50-50 kind of guy. But he gets open through his ability to run very precise, crisp routes. And I'm not saying Pickens is bad. That Pickens is a very good route runner in his own right. You're not a top-10 prospect by anyone's rankings as a receiver if you're not a good route runner. But I would say you're right. He's not as polished in that regard as Jaden Hazelwood. But honestly, coming into high school, coming into college, I want, I want, I want the better athlete. I want the plus athlete because – because it's not again, it's not like Pickens is that far off of Hazelwood in terms of his route running. So there's plenty to work with there, and you can get that coached up. You can't coach up Jaden Hazelwood to be a plus athlete. That's not happening. That's something you're just given. That's you're born with. That's God given. And Pickens has that, and he's a very good route runner, uh, a very good technician in his own right. Uh, and can certainly get better at that. But I think he's gonna have a chance. I really do think he's gonna have a chance to come in and play right away. So look, losing Hazelwood, that that stung, man. But God, this feels good getting George Pickens in the fold, man. This is. Whew, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. And uh, and one more, a couple other things here on, on Pickens real quick before we move on. And this may be like so incredibly petty of me, but that's fine. I'm going to be so incredibly petty. Uh, because the Auburn fans, understandably so, just melted down after this, didn't they? They did. They, yeah. I mean, it was ever since that whole uh, Derrick Brown situation happened, I've taken a lot of pride in, in everything. Oh, yeah. And, and, of course, you know, it's, this is what college fan bases do. They're all, every college fan base is perfect, and everyone else sucks, and they're all cheating, and you're the only one not cheating. Like, it's, it's not unique to Auburn. I mean, heck, even people in our fan base do it. But it's just, like, when it's Auburn, and, like, it, it's so hypocritical. It's hilarious. Um, so, and, and, of course, they immediately resort to claiming that we, that we paid him, blah. Blah, yeah, blah. They even had their own players say stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, that was like, to, and did you see a Devon Wilson clap back at that? Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. If you guys didn't see that, just, I don't want to butcher it here. Just pull it up, pull up Devon Wilson clap back at Auburn and see what, what you can find there. Pretty good stuff. Um, and so what I did, and we had a, had a couple requests on Twitter for us to to, to uh, address this, this idea that Auburn's saying that we, the only reason we got uh, this flip was that we paid his family or paid him, whatever it might be. So what I did uh, to see what was going on, what people were talking about. I went to the bunker, which is one of the, uh, the Auburn message boards out there. I think it's on the Rivals Network, I want to say. Uh, and so I took some selected quotes, and this might be totally uh, against the rules and illegal, but uh, whatever, we're going to go with it. Uh, we're a mom and pop podcast anyway. No one's coming after us. I hope not. Uh, but Carl, I got a couple of quotes here from Auburn fans on the bunker, and I just want you to react to them real quick. Uh, so the first one here, and I, and I tried to find some. I mean, it was hard to dig through and find some that were uh, – PG rated here because uh, obviously they're very upset and it's a message board and people do what they do on message boards. So the first one here is probably, uh, it's kind of iffy, but what a piece of beep. Uh, I hope he breaks his leg at whatever community college he ends up at. F you. Uh, what is your reaction when you see stuff like that from Auburn fans? Uh, 
I just can't help but laugh. It, it, it's comical at first, right? And obviously, this is the fringe element, all right? This is the lunatic fringe. Um, I don't, I don't want to say, look, I, I'm no fan of Auburn fans in general, but look, these are people on message boards are, you know, that say these kind of things. They're the, the fringe of the fan base. This is not necessarily representative of the entire fan base. But when you see stuff like this, first you laugh and you're like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, do you really believe that? Like, he didn't sign with your school so that you hope his, his career is over? Like, you hope he doesn't qualify? What is wrong with you? What kind of human being are you that you are wishing that a high school athlete does not graduate, does not get a high school degree? Like, what kind of human being are you that that you truly believe that? It's like, I hope these guys well, are just mean, saying these things. To, you got to remember, to Auburn fans, not getting a high school diploma is kind of normal. That's true. I, I guess they, you know, I guess they don't see the big deal there. Um yeah, so I just, when I see that, I laugh, and I'm, then I just think, I'm like, I, it just it just makes me sad for mankind that, like, I know this again, fringe element, but that, that there are people out there that, that believe these things. It's just like, dude, Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? Uh, and now here's the next one. I find this one, like, laughably comical. Uh, quote, with him going to Georgia, he will 1,000% qualify. Uh, if he fails to qualify to play in the fall at Georgia, then wow. I tip my cap to the programs doing what it takes to win. So essentially there they're saying that Georgia is such a terrible school that, of course, now that he's going to go to Georgia, he'll qualify. What is your reaction to that? I think it's kind of comical too because, I mean, people that go to Auburn usually go because they don't get They are a backup school. That is what they are. They are a backup school for people in the state of Georgia who do not get into Georgia. <laughs> it's like, what? And oh, by the way, if you want to look at it, you know, objectively look at uh, the, the U.S. News and World Report rankings, uh, Georgia is a top 15, number 13 nationally uh, in terms of public school rankings. Auburn, uh, yeah, 52. So what are you, like, what? What? Like, you're so dumb that you don't even know how, how bad your school is. Like, it's just like, oh, my God. You don't even know, like, I don't want to say bad, but you don't even know like the status of your school, the academic status of your school. You're so dumb, you don't know that. And where you rank in comparison to the University of Georgia. It's just, wow, wow. Uh, here's a couple. Uh, they, they being us, uh, they bend the rules to their will and reap the benefits. Now this flip makes more sense than others in the past. But Georgia made it crystal clear that if he signed with them, he would be starting day one. So uh, obviously... Uh, the, the bidding the rules uh, to our will. This is where the the uh, we paid him st- uh, accusations are coming in. And here's another one: we got outbid. Bottom line: Georgia throwing big money. Uh, and then another guy talking about his uh, signing day uh, or t- his announcement today. Uh, yep, honestly, in the video, Pickens didn't seem excited either. He looked straight down after making the announcement. The only one was smiling was the one that got the check. Because there's the rumor out there that, that we paid his mother. Uh, so, Kurt, when you see the the idea that we paid to get Pickens, what is what is your reaction to that? I can't help but laugh at that because, I mean... The most hypocritical thing of all time. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're notorious for. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's really a paper trail 20,000 miles long of them paying people. I mean, do, do we, I mean, Cam Newton wasn't that long ago, was it? No, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I, I'll give them credit; they did it right. They basically, you know, if you look at what happened with Missouri, Missouri did it wrong because Missouri did what we did. It basically just bowed down to the NCAA and say, "Oh, we'll, we'll cooperate with you. We'll do whatever you ask." It, what you you get in trouble like Auburn when you, when you get caught cheating like Auburn, you just basically say, "We ain't cooperating," and nothing happens, right? I mean, even when there's like vast amounts of evidence that, yeah, yeah, you did something shady there. His dad got paid. Uh, so, yeah, just comical, just hilarious stuff. But, you know, sour grapes, it is what it is. But uh, we had some requests on there, so I just wanted to uh, throw that out there for a quick second. Uh, 
But anyway, let's move on because we were not done with George Pickens as we also landed tight end Brett Seether from Florida, who was reportedly down to Georgia and Alabama. Uh, Penn State was also getting in there late. Uh, so first off, Curtis, just for the, again, for the people who haven't been listening to the show here on, on a, with our premium content, was this the right move for us to take Seether as a tight end in this class? I think it was because, I mean, we <laughs> I think he's actually a better prospect than people think he, uh, give him credit for. Yeah, I, um, they, they see the three-star rating, and, and they're like, he's oh, he's only a three-star? Yeah, he's not an immediate contributor, but he's he is, I think, someone that can grow into a great player for us. So how excited should Georgia fans be about landing him? I think, I mean, I don't think it's a letdown. Hey, look, I'm actually – I mean, look, I'm not obviously excited about George Pickens. I mean, I was like doing – I mean, I was, I was flipping out in at work when I saw that. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I was just on cloud nine, man. It was, it was beautiful. Um, but, uh, look, I was excited about getting Seether because I – you know, this guy is growing on me. When you watch his tape, I see a lot of things that I like. I see a new age type tight end that can flex out and do a lot of things and be a matchup problem that also has the frame to put on some weight to also work inside in, in line – in, in our, in, with our run game scheme, obviously, which is going to continue, I'm sure. We'll see what it looks like, but I imagine that's still going to be a big part of our offense. I don't think we're going to get away from that entirely at all. Um, so like he's, he's about 235 right now, so he's a little light in the bridges. He's going to add about 10 to 15 pounds. Hopefully, once he gets on uh, gets on campus and, and gets in our weight program, that, that will happen. Um, but I like what he brings to the table in terms of being a, a different type tight end than what we've had the past couple years. I mean, I know people love Nada, and I like Nada too. I think he's going to be a good player. But I never saw Nada as this like matchup problem. Did you? No. Like, I never really saw him that way. He's not an insanely good athlete. He's a good technician, became a good blocker. He was a good jack-of-all-trades for us at that position. And he's going to be an NFL talent. He's going to get drafted. But I think I don't think he was like, you know, one of the, like a, a Travis Kelsey from uh, uh, from Kansas City, like that type of guy, where I think Cedar has that potential. I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but I think he has that potential. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely uh, we should be excited about landing him. And going back to, like, was this the right move to, for us to take him, Kurt? Uh, again, for the people who might not have been listening to us uh, over the past couple weeks with the premium content, lay out the, the situation at tight end right now before we got Seether today. Uh, we didn't have much. I mean, what we, we got one guy with any playing time to speak of in Charlie Warner. Then you have a redshirt freshman who was also lighting the bridges last year trying to put on some weight. We don't know how much he will put on. We'll see in John Fitzpatrick, who will have to probably be our number two tight end. And then you got Ryland... Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Gouda, I think is how you say it, actually. Uh, someone corrected me on Twitter uh, very graciously, and I appreciate that. And I thought it was something like that, but I didn't want to like an idiot. So uh, I think that's actually how you pronounce it, something along those lines. We'll, we'll figure it out. I can't wait to put his name up on, his, on the roster so you can actually click the little button that plays it for you, and then we'll officially get it. So I apologize if I offend anyone with how I'm pronouncing that. But he's coming off an ACL injury, right? Yeah. And he might or might not be ready to start next year. We don't know. So there's a chance we could go into next year potentially with two scholarship tight ends or two scholarship tight ends plus one scholarship tight end who's kind of somewhat healthy. And with what we run offensively, at least what we've done traditionally under Kirby Smart these past three years, we'll see what how it changes with James Coley. Uh, but like that's concerning because the tight ends have been a major part of our offense. And um, I mean, like if we're going to have any kind of lead blockers with our H-back, we, we use H-backs. We don't use fullbacks. We don't have any on roster, really. Uh, Kirby's made that pretty clear. So I think we had to have a tight end. We needed somebody, whether it's going to be Seether as a true freshman. I think the question was, do you take a grad transfer who's maybe a lesser talent but fills this need for one year? Because I think the need's going to be one year. I think it's a 2019 need. I think next year, if we can land Eric Gilbert, hopefully, who's a big-time prospect, top-ten prospect nationally at tight end. There's a couple other guys, Dominic Mamorelli from Florida that we're looking at here. Uh, so 
I think we have a we're really in very in the situation or in the conversation very well for a couple big time tight ends uh, in this next class. So I think it's going to be a, a depth problem for 2019. So my question was, did you do you sign Cedar as a four year guy where he where he fills a need for one year, but he kind of eats up a scholarship maybe like a guy like Demarcus Hayes has for the past couple years after that, but. Or do you just take a grad transfer? And to me, I I think I've said long you take Seether, like you said, because I think he has good potential. I don't even even though we, we might not have a need at tight end next year or after 2019, won't be as much of a need because uh, we have some guys that, we can, that we're going to get in this next class. We can fill that need there. I don't think that Seether's going to be dead weight. Do you think he's going to be like? Do you see him being that type of guy on the roster? No, not at all. Not at all. No, I, I definitely see him being a contributor for the next three to four years, uh, especially once he adds a little bit of weight on. And, like if, and also, if we didn't sign Seether in this class, let's say we went the grad transfer route, we still might bring a grad transfer, like Eli Wolf or Chris Cunningham for Virginia Tech. We'll see. I don't know how that's going to plan out because because uh, you might think well the class is full now, but apparently now uh, I'm just finding this out. I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, apparently now with graduate transfers, you have the ability if your class is full this year to count them forward to next year. Uh, so you can do that. We did that with Jay Hayes this year. So that's an interesting possibility. I'm not sure we're going to go that route because we have a chance to sign a massive class of, of highly rated prospects next year as well. Um, but that's a possibility for us. But if we did not sign C, if we, even if we brought a grad transfer in, Warner's gone for next year. So we would still only have two scholarship tight ends coming in next year. And you like with what we run, we need four to five tight ends on roster, and we'd only have two. So that means we have to sign three in 2020 instead of two. We still get, we're still going to need to sign two next year, but signing three in the same class, that's that's tough. And then there's no class separation there. So we're going to see they're in this year as a true freshman, plus two guys next year. Gives you a little bit of class separation. So I'm actually a fan of bringing him in. I think it was the right move. I think it was a, probably the biggest need in this class, and wide receiver would be number two. Uh, you don't seem to think that Cedar can help right away in 2019. You really don't think he can? Uh, maybe in a flex, but not true down blocking unless he puts on weight. He's definitely going to need to put on weight to be as effective as he needs to be. I think you're right in saying that. But, like, honestly, man, like, we might not have much of a choice. Like, what if, if Ryland's not ready to go next year early on? Like, he'll be our number three tight end. And as many times as we like to use two and three tight ends in certain in certain packages, like, I think he'll see the field, you know? Uh, how much? I, I think you're right in saying I don't think he's going to be like the number one tight end. Maybe even probably not even the number two unless he puts on some serious weight. But I think he's going to play in certain packages. I mean, could you see that happening? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, he, he's almost going to have to just for pure depth purposes. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'm happy about it. I'm excited about it. I think he has good potential. Um, he's got a good frame. 6'5", right now, about 235. You can grow into some to, into that body a little bit and just be a, a really good, solid contributor for us. That's a chance to be uh, give us something that we haven't necessarily had at that position. Now, if we land Eric Gilbert, then he is a true game-changing type flex tight end at that position. But uh, – We'll see how that goes in this 2020 class. Uh, but we also, as much as we want to talk about the, the good things that happened, the guys that we got in this class, we do also have to talk about the guys we missed on today as well. Uh, now, at the end of the day, the family ties to Florida were obviously too deep for us to pull Kyer Elam away from Florida. He ends up signing with the with the Gators, the hated rival. Kurt, how much does that one sting? Uh, it stings, but I mean, I thought it was a long shot the whole time. Well, I mean... When we got when we hired Charlton Warren away from Florida while Kyrie Elam was on his official visit here, did that not give you at least like a a little cause for optimism that we could that we could get this guy considering the relationship he had with 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 Elam? I think it helped us, but it still didn't solve the family problem. 
That's the issue. And you're seeing that with Nick Cross. We'll get him in a minute right now. Nick Cross has been trying to commit to some to Florida State from all accounts, but his dad's like, nah, not happening. Uh, once you go elsewhere. So I, I think sometimes the families do have an outsized influence on where these guys go, especially when your dad's a former Florida player and you are a legacy. That's it. And you're from Florida. That's a tough pool. It's not unnecessarily unprecedented, but it's very, very tough. Um, so look, I, I get why he went to Florida. I don't begrudge him. Good luck. To, I mean, actually, not good luck to you. I don't. I, I'm not like an Auburn. And I hope you die and your leg falls off. Not going there. I hope you don't win when you play us. Um, but hey, man, best of luck, whatever. Uh, but I mean, look, he's he's a he's a good player. I'm not going to be one of these guys that's like, oh my god, he's not that good. We didn't get him, so he's not that good. Like, no, he's still a good player, right? Yeah. Uh, but let's look at the DB class we've already got right now. Uh, we got Daniels who is DJ Daniels, who's a Juco, who I think is the guy that physically can come in and potentially compete for a job right away. Are, are you with me there on him? Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, and, and we got Tyreek Stevenson, who I think I'm higher on than I am Elam because I think he's got more versatility to his game. I think his body's ready to play right away. Um, that's a great sign right there. And then at safety, uh, or potentially star, uh, Lewis Seen is another guy. That's a pretty freaking good DB class. And DB, we have plenty of DBs right now. I think we got like maybe 16 on roster right now. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm happy with the guys that we got, happy with the guys that we have on the roster. Elam would have been um, maybe icing on top of the cake. Uh, so would Nick Cross. But certainly I think tight end and wide receiver were bigger needs than DB. So, look, you know, I would love to have had him. But, you know, spots are tight. You have two spots. I'm good with what we got. Uh, but what else is out there, Curtis? We're sitting at 24 scholarships right now in this 2019 class, which is exactly how many scholarships we have available Right now, we've talked about this on our uh, premium shows, but we had uh, we had uh, coming into this class, we had eighty, we had sixty-one scholarships open. We signed twenty-two in the early signing period, which gives us eighty-three. We had two spots left as of right now. There could be additional attrition, so there might be more spots that open up. Because a lot of people look at the twenty-five number, that's not really what you need to look at. Uh, what you need to look at is the eighty-five number. You can't completely disregard twenty-five. There's ways to back count, count four. There's different ways to get around that. But you cannot be above 85 total scholarships. So we can't really sign anybody else unless we think somebody else is going to leave. Maybe after spring, there's going to be some attrition, whatever might happen. So are we done, or is there more potentially on the table in this class? The only thing that's on the table is uh, grad transfers because they would count towards next year's class. Yeah, so are you – well, I mean, it depends on if we – like if a guy transfers, then we could – we have – we have another spot. We could put a grad transfer and be in being 25 and not to count forward. Now, if we take two grad transfers, one's going to have to count forward. You're right about that. Who, What potential grad transfers are you looking at us possibly adding? Uh, I mean, the only one that really is out there is uh, Cager, really. Yeah, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Cager, uh, transfer, graduate transfer from Miami. He was in town last weekend, meet McCurby, and I saw him eating at South Kitchen and Bar. Uh, so yeah, you know, some people like that place, not necessarily my cup of tea, not my favorite, but very popular place in Athens. Um, so they're taking that, he was taking that in with his family and Kirby and, uh, Coley was there as well. Um, yeah, I think there's a, I, I, I think there's a chance we take him. Like I honestly, I, I think we might, do you? Yeah, I, I think there's a good shot. Cause we, I mean, we have nine scholarship receivers right now and you need about 11 to 12 of those guys ideally, especially, I mean, we rotate six to seven guys regularly at that position. Um, so I, you know, we had nine with Pickens. It's ten. I can see us taking one more, uh, especially a guy as a grad transfer that has potential to contribute right away. Um, now he wasn't. You know, he didn't put up massive numbers at Miami, but you also got to consider the quarterback situation in the past couple of years, which was abysmal. Um, he has had some issues with hands, but he's got a big physical body, got a lot of experience playing. 
Um, so I, he's a guy that I, I think can come in and be a contributor right away. Maybe not a starter right away. And, and you know, maybe, I'm not saying he's going to go out and catch 40, 50 balls, but I think he's a guy that can help us, you know, back shoulder stuff that, that Murray, not Murray, wow, that Fromm likes to throw, the red zone threat as well. I think he can come in and potentially help us there. So I would not close myself off. I think that's certainly a possibility here. And grad transfers are on a different timeline. They don't have to sign today. So that's certainly something to keep your eye on there as well. Uh, what about Nick Cross? He's taken it a little bit further past this. Because basically today, it's not like the only day you can sign. It's the opening of the late signing period. Uh, what are you hearing on Nick Cross right now? He's not, he hasn't signed with anyone yet. Where is Where are you with him right now? Uh, it looks like Penn State or Maryland for him. Yeah, and if you guys aren't familiar with Nick Cross, his uh, safety is really, you know, was essentially, from all accounts, ready to flip to us in December. From He's been committed for us. He was going to flip to us. He was really high on Mel Tucker. Obviously, when Tucker goes to Colorado, that kind of threw a wrench in those plans and put us on the outside looking in. We did get him in for an unofficial visit uh, this past weekend, Thursday and Friday. So there was definitely some interest there, but it just didn't quite work out. Um, it doesn't seem like we're really in the picture. Now people said that about Pickens as well, but I still this one I think I don't know if we're I don't think we're really in the picture here. If I had to say right now, but what I heard today that was that he wanted to commit to Florida, stay with Florida State. Is that what you were hearing? Yeah. But Dad did not like that. Dad was big on academics and did not think was not impressed with Florida State's academics. Is what I'm hearing. I, again, don't know. I, have, I haven't talked to anyone around the. That's just kind of what you're hearing uh, out there in the recruiting circles with the recruiting analysts. Um, so I don't think we're gonna get him. But, you know, crazy things happen. Um, I don't know. I just don't know if we're going to have a spot for him. We'll see. So he'll probably end up elsewhere. I think you're right. It's probably going to be Penn State or Maryland more than likely, which is a, that's cool. That's fine. I'd rather than be there than Florida State. Um, all right. So, Kurt, how close? Now that we've talked about the guys that we got, the guys that we missed, how close to an ideal close to this 2019 class was what transpired today? I think it's as close as you could have imagined with the spots we had. And I think what we did is we filled our needs, but also got solid. I mean, especially wide receiver, but we knocked it out of the park there. But even at tight end, you know, it would have been nice to go and get a DB or something. But we're kind of set back there. And I think uh, going for a need was more important for us. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, to me, it's as simple as saying this. To me, tight end and wide receiver – were our biggest needs coming into today. Is, our, is that a fair assessment of what we needed? Very fair, yeah. Right, so I think those are the biggest needs, and we got the two best available prospects at those positions. And I know Pickens, again, wasn't available, but or I guess he was already committed, but we got that guy. I mean, he was the best one out there that was that we were that we were in it for. That was best-case scenario for us. And then Seether, of uncommitted tight ends, in my opinion, he was the best-case scenario there as well. So, Biggest needs, got the best available prospects in those positions. To me, this is an ideal close, about as close as you can get to it. I know some people are not as excited about Brett Seether because you, you see the three-star next to his name. But guys, like, don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the fact that down the stretch, it was Georgia and Alabama that were fighting it out over him. Are you right, Kurt? Yeah. I mean, you're looking at two of the premier programs in the nation right now that are we're going head-to-head after this guy. So that should give you an idea of how good he is. Don't always just pay attention to the three-star. Watch these guys, look at who's recruiting them and how much they're investing in these guys. And when Saban and, and Kirby are putting as much as they put into, these, into this guy down the stretch, that should tell you a little bit of something about how good he is and what he can do potentially for us uh, down the next the stretch of the next couple of years. Um, now, Kurt, this class as a whole, uh, finished, now we finished number one as of right now in the rivals rankings and number two in the 247 composite. So one of the, if not the best classes in America, at least one of the top two classes, 
according to any service out there. I always like the 247 composite. It takes into account all the different ranking services out there. So what does that mean for this Georgia football program? Uh, I mean, just building more and more depth to really put, you know, at first we were stockpiling, you know, the first 22, and then we're starting to build depth. And I think now we're just kind of solidifying this more and more depth across the board at every position. Yeah, and this is what we talked about last year. Like, look, under Mark Rick, we got some good guys, right? We got some highly rated prospects. Yeah. I mean, Rick was a good recruiter, but it was the depth of these classes and the and, and stacking on elite class after elite class. We never really did that. We get an elite guy. We get a Matthew Stafford here and there. We get an AJ Green here and there. We'd get these guys. We'd get a, a Noshan Marino. Uh, we'd get those guys here and there, but we never stacked them together like that. And that is what Kirby is doing. And la- after last year's class, as excited as we were, the number one, uh, basically uniformly named the number one class is like almost uh, unanimously there. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, the number one class in the country. And that was fantastic. But what we said this time last year was amazing, awesome, we're so pumped, we're heading in the right direction. But for this to really matter, we've got to do it again next year, right? And we've got to do it again the year after that. And we're, when we did it, all right? We've got the number one or number two class, we know what service you're looking at, back to back, okay? Uh, and then the year before that, we had the number three rate, rated class. So if you look at this over the last three years, you talk, you're going back to what you were saying there, Kurt, stacking talent on top of talent, class after class after class. For the last three years, we have a higher three-year uh, average recruiting finish than any other team in America. And yes, that includes the evil empire, Alabama. Uh, we finished number three, number one last year, and number two, according to 247 composite this year, which gives us uh, six divided by three, gives you an average finish of two. Alabama, have, they finished five, one, and one. So they've, you had that together, they got seven. So we're just a, a hair ahead of them. But over the last three recruiting cycles, we have finished on average, higher than any other team in the United States of America. That is stacking classes together, and that is what it takes to win national championships. Championships. We've been close, but we didn't have the classes stacked on top of each other. We are doing that now, and honestly, Kurt, does it look like it's going to slow down as we head into the 2020 cycle? Sure, I hope not. It, I certainly hope not, and it doesn't look like it. Now, let's, I want to put a word of caution out there, because for two years in a row, Kurt, what have people have been saying about this class, All the, a lot of Georgia fans, as we enter the summer months? They were freaking out, right? Yeah. About, oh my God, what's wrong? Kirby's not getting it done. You know, going into 2018, oh my God, did we hire the right guys? Is he really going to get it done here? And then we saw what happened. You get the number one class. And this year, it's like, oh my God, it was just a one hit wonder. We can't follow it up. And then now you see what happens. So just let the class play out. If we don't have the number one class or even the top 10 class in, in May or June, it's okay. Uh, right now, we should trust this, this staff, shouldn't we? Got to. I mean, they've earned our trust. They've earned my trust. And, like, I don't want to tell anyone what to think, but, like, I think they've earned our trust. They've certainly earned my trust. And just let these guys play it out because right now we have no reason to think that these guys cannot put together another elite class in 2020 with another strong class in state and, uh, and with us in it for a number of big time prospects outside the state of Georgia as well. We've become a national brand. We have, not that we weren't before, but we've certainly spread our wings and become even more of a national brand. Uh, and Kirby is certainly uh, parlaying that to our benefit. There's no doubt about it so big time for us uh, and we will go over each position group over the next couple of weeks uh, with some of our premium content so go ahead and subscribe you get a free week check it out uh, it's only two dollars a month again on podbean uh, help us kind of continue to, to produce a show uh, like we want to throughout this off season um, and we'll have all that content talking about each individual player all the position groups all that good stuff uh, before we get out of here i did have a request 
And I really I wanted to fit him in anyway. I didn't know how to fit him into this show. But uh, there's a little basketball recruiting news uh, that's out there for us right now, which I know is kind of off the radar for people. But I do want to bring this up because this could potentially be huge news for a basketball program. So if you guys haven't heard, there is a five-star number two rated national prospect Anthony Edwards from Atlanta. He's a 6'5 shooting guard. Uh, and we've been in it for a while. He was here in Athens when we had, on an official visit when we had our big win over Texas. Got to see that environment. It was a great environment. Um, and he has decided he's going to announce his commitment as of now on Monday, uh, this coming Monday. So whatever day that was, at the 11th of February. Uh, Curtis, do you think that we have a chance to actually land Anthony Edwards? Uh, I think we're in it for sure. I, yeah, I, I think it's training our way right now. There's uh, Evan Daniels, one of the big two four seven, like the the two four seven like basketball recruiting guru, uh, just put in his crystal ball for us today, and, then, and that's following a couple of other crystal balls from some national guys um, and from some guys who covered his, his have covered his recruitment over the past couple of days. So it's training that way. Um, there's also a rumor I can't confirm this, but I have heard that he has canceled his visit to Florida State this weekend who was seen as probably our biggest competition in this race, along with Kentucky. So if you look at all the crystal balls, you look at uh, he, that he was here in this official visit, had a great visit from all accounts, saw us beat Texas, saw that environment, saw what we can potentially be if he comes here, canceling this visit to Florida State potentially. Uh, to me, those, that all points in a very positive direction for us to potentially land the number two rated prospect nationally. Probably a one-and-done guy. But, Kurt, if we end up landing a guy of that caliber – what could that do for our program heading into the next year or two? I think it could give Screen some uh, momentum and some, you know, hey, I got this guy. Why don't you want to come join him type stuff? Absolutely. I think we get I, – look, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we already have a nice nucleus with guys like Nick Claxton and, and Rayshon Hammonds, especially if – I think Claxton's coming back. I, I'm pretty confident. I hope. He needs to, I think. Uh, but he has a chance to be a good NBA player in a couple of years. But if those if both those guys come back – um, and then you've got uh, Ingomezzi, I think, is going to be a good player for us. Uh, and then you add a shooting guard. The, the thing, the thing, what's been the problem this year for us, Kurt, for the most part? Guard play, right? Yeah, it, guard play has been terrible. It, it's been atrocious, and it's been uh, it's been uh, it's been the story all year long. It's a broken record at this point. If you get a guy like Anthony Edwards to fill that void, because we, we're good up front, man. Our front court's great. It's fine. It's really good. But it, it's the it's the back court that's just been a, a mess. If you get a guy like Anthony Edwards. To go along with the other guys that we've got committed right now, both top 100 prospects and Jaquan Walton and Tumani Kamara, they were wings. I guess more like three guys. Uh, maybe play a little shooting guard too, but more, uh, you know, three, three, uh, like a number three wing there. Uh, if you can match him with those guys, with the guys we've got coming back in our nucleus, I think we'd have a chance to, to maybe sneak into the tournament next year. I know that seems crazy looking at how bad we've been this year, but I wouldn't put it past us if we get a guy the caliber of Anthony Edwards. He's a really, really good player. So something to keep your eye on. We'll certainly have that covered next week as well. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. We'll definitely have a mailbag show next week, so you guys get all your questions in, and, answer, and we'll answer all of those about this the recruiting finish and everything going on around the program. Has It's been a minute since we had one of those, so we'll, we'll throw one out there. So if you've got any questions, you go ahead and send them into us on Twitter. That's at Glory underscore UGA. Again, if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do so at Podbean. Give it a shot. We greatly appreciate it. We really appreciate all the support we get out there. You guys are incredible. We definitely wouldn't have this show if it wasn't for you out there. Um, so, yeah, just give it a shot and, and see, what, see how it goes. But uh, thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.